Hello, thank you for joining me. You're listening to the Profitable Online Coaching Podcast, the place where we talk about everything online coaching, including marketing, business models, tools, and mindset. Hey, it's Stephanie here. I wanted to jump in before we start today's episode and let you know that I have a free incredible training coming up called the Client Attraction Training. It's for coaches and similar service providers who want to build a successful online business and get out of the feast and famine cycle that we all experience in the beginning of our business. In this training, I'm going to share my lead generation strategy for constant and consistent client attraction. We're going to work on your business together to create a system that suits you, but has all the essentials to attract clients daily. So make sure you join me. Go to stephaniefitani.com slash more clients. And I really look forward to meeting you on the live training because this is all going to be delivered live and we're going to get a lot of opportunity to talk about your business. You're going to get the opportunity to ask questions and I'm going to share with you the whole process that has built my business Thanks to the client attraction strategy. Just go to stephaniefitani.com slash more clients. I'm really excited about this. I really hope you join me and see you in the training. And it's time now to introduce you to today's guest, Tiffany. Tiffany Kellogg is the author of the book called Four and a Half Networking Mistakes. It's one of one of three books, actually. She talks about maximizing your networking efforts and also how to avoid the most common mistakes. In this episode, Tiffany is going to share with us her expertise on referral marketing, networking, and also her passion for maximizing time and productivity. I really enjoyed my chat with Tiffany and I hope you enjoy it too. Let's dive right in. So thank you very much for being with us, Tiffany, today. I'm really excited to have you on and I look forward to start talking about referrals because they are such an important part of any business. But before we do, Tiffany, I would love it if you could let us know a little bit about your business journey and what got you here. (laughs) Yeah, because I certainly had no intentions of being a speaker or an entrepreneur. I actually went to school and I wanted to do genetic research and genetic engineering. And once I figured out what was involved in all of the schooling and the loans, the political, all of that, I was like, you know what? Hmm, No, thank you. And I actually switched and became a business major and got my business degree. So I do actually have a business degree, got out of school, got that first real job with the benefits and vacation and all of that. And things were going well until 2003, March. Uh, the organization that I worked with, they did some restructuring and they very nicely offered me either a severance package or a demotion. And the same month, my mother, who had been battling breast cancer for the previous 17 months, including one small time of remission, uh, was given a terminal diagnosis and maybe a couple of weeks left to live. So I took the severance package, which gave me the opportunity to spend each and every day with my mom. And sometimes they talk about people will hang on for that special event or that special date. She actually hung on until July and we got an opportunity to celebrate her 47th birthday. We had a huge bash, a huge party. Everybody got to hang out uh, and then she passed away the next day. And I was left with 
what am I going to do with my life? I've lost my mom, my best friend. I've, I've lost my job. What am I going to do? And there was a friend of the family, Jackie, and she would come over at 10 on a Monday morning at four on a Thursday afternoon where everybody else comes over in the evenings and the weekends because they had a job. And I'm like, ooh, Jackie had a job, but she was an entrepreneur. She had her own business. And I'm like, I want to do that too. <laughs> so I struck out on my own, moved from North Carolina to Florida and started my own business. What I found was though, just because you have a business doesn't mean you have any business. You know, we don't have clients. And so I spent the next two years cold calling, knocking on doors. Uh, hey, do you want to buy from me? Hey, do you want to buy from me? And while I hate doing it, I'm really good at it. So I was having success. However, it was like, oh, this is not the vision I had of being an entrepreneur. And I think a lot of entrepreneurs get into that same thing. Uh, sleep in late, take off early, three, four, five day weekends. And then it's like, no, we're working all the time to eat. <laughs> <That's> so <right. laughs> after, after doing that for a couple of years, I stumbled into networking and I'm like, oh my gosh, this networking and referrals is such a better way to do business. And I was able to, to go from 80% of my week being cold calling to not having to cold call at all. Now, back in the day, so this is 2005, when I was trying to learn about referral marketing, I actually had to go to the library. I mean, there was the internet, but it wasn't quite the robust machine. I mean, it's hard for us to, to remember what it was like pre-social media, pre the internet. Um, so I was trying to do some learning and finally kind of figured out like, what is the best way to do this referral marketing? And I so much fell in love with the, the right way to do it and the way it helped me in my business. I actually handed the reins of my company over to my husband to run so that I could get out and speak and train, facilitate, and share this referral marketing knowledge with as many people as I can all around the globe. Fantastic. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> and you're going to share it with us today. Yes. A little bit of it we will definitely be sharing today. I could talk for hours and hours and days and days, <laughs> but it doesn't really work in the podcast format. Excellent. Yeah. Well, one of the things that, you know, obviously, like you mentioned, it, they were different days. Maybe networking was kind of different. And especially, you know, in the aftermath <laughs> of the pandemic. Oh, yes. We're not kind of going back to business as usual. Things have changed. People are more used to talking to other people on Zoom. Yes. Um, so, you know, do you feel that networking has also a digital side? Can it be sort of translated into internet tools easily today? Or is it, or sort of, is it sort of just mostly done face-to-face? -face? Well, it's an interesting thing to look at this idea of networking online versus in person. And I think the majority of networking is the same, regardless of if you're in person or online. I do think that when we're in person, it does give us a little bit more casual. We can break off into groups, though sometimes that can be less productive. You know, I think there's, I think there's some things that are better in person and some things that are better online. There's not a either or, it's yes and. And I think, you know, you and I both have clients all across the globe. That's it would right. be a little hard for you and I to be having this conversation in person. Uh, I mean, maybe not hard, but several plane flights for us to get from one continent to the yeah. other, where this <laughs> Zoom is, is such an amazing thing. It was just showing up in my Facebook feed this weekend, I guess, is when I got on Zoom in 2017. 
I got my first Zoom account. So I was an early adopter for that, but not everybody else had it. But when it comes to networking, I think that if you approach the networking event with the right intention, then mm -hmm. it doesn't matter if it's in person or online, you can create the results that you're looking for. Excellent. Brilliant. So I'm, I'm dying to hear your tips because of course, um, you know, a lot of people listening to us are either already doing online business or maybe they have both online and online or maybe doing the migration to actually maybe work more online you know same principles as your business you know looking for more freedom more flexibility but of course we don't want to be working all the time so no brilliant. definitely not <laughs> i'm a big fan of work hard play harder yes absolutely so we're going to make sure we have plenty of time to play <laughs> Excellent. So let's dive in. So how how do you go about referrals? You know, what are the what are the steps we need to take in order to have, especially in online business, a good referral strategy that's going to give us consistent business? So we're going to make this simple and go five steps and understand for those of you as you're listening and are watching this that this is kind of the 30,000 foot view. There is a lot more that can kind of go into this, but this is the, the basic outline. There'd be lots of bullets and subheaders underneath. But step number one, and I think this matters for any marketing, whether it's website, SEO, blogging, also referral marketing is to determine who is your target market. So step number one is who is your target market or who is your ideal client? Nowadays, people are saying, who's the avatar? So how would you describe that client that you love to work with? And I know, Stephanie, you're really good at kind of having that narrow target market identified. So can I put you on the spot and ask you to share with the other people listening, you know, who are those clients that you love to work with? Uh, okay, so we're going to take my business as an example. Okay, well, <laughs> um, let's go sort of, I work mostly with coaches. So I would say coaches, um, I actually work with coaches at every different stage um, from, from beginners to seven, eight figures. So obviously I have different packages, different stuff for all the different kinds. Um, but I would say, let's talk about specifically coaches who are perhaps in their first one to three years of business. So people who are, okay, let's say that is the avatar. So do you need more detail on that? No, no, I think we're perfect. And you bring up a good point. What I think about is who is my target market? These are the people that I'm actively marketing towards. These are the people I'm spending my time, energy, and effort towards. However, the beautiful thing is if people outside your target market, let's say they've had four years in business, would that be okay for you, Stephanie? Well, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And if they're six months in business, that'd be okay yeah, too, right? Of course. Yeah. So, so the target market is just where are we spending our time and energy and effort to. There may be other people that come to you. I was talking to a client of mine just last Thursday, and he was sharing, thanks, Tiffany, so much. We had a really intense discussion around his target market a couple of years ago. And he's like, I'm still getting these people that are outside of my target market. They're coming to me regularly. But this target market that we came up with, they're paying me way more. And so to me, if you've got people coming to you that just come to you, let them do that. But your target market is that avatar of who you love to work with 
and they pay you decently. I feel like it has to be a combination. It can't, they can't pay you a lot, but you don't like working with them. And you can't love working with them and not pay you a lot. So you have to find that sweet spot of profitability and pleasure when it comes to your target market. Indeed, absolutely, absolutely. So that's our step one. Step two Mm -hmm. is then you wanna determine who are going to be your best referral sources. Mm -hmm. Now there's a reason this comes second because who your target market is will influence your best referral sources. And to me, the best referral sources are what we call your contact sphere relationships. And these contact sphere relationships are non-competing industries with the same target market. So I would begin to think about, okay, who else is out there selling to the coaches, like the coach federation, the the coaching certification schools. I'm thinking about who are all the different people that are selling to the coaches? Uh, Maybe even the the softwares like the Contra, Kartra, um, all the different... You know, you know what I mean, right, Stephanie? Yes, I do. In fact, I've been approached by both those kinds of people. Yeah, SES products for coaches. There's, yeah, there's mm. all these different certifications. Those are, of course, all looking to market to the same kinds of people. Probably even more niche than me, actually, because they all have a slice, a different slice of the market. Yes. So the, what I love about this is when we find our best referral sources, their entire database is probably a good fit for for us. And so it's about finding those right people. Once we've determined our target market, step number one, found the right referral sources, step number two, then step three and four actually go together pretty much. So step three is you want to educate your referral sources. Step four is motivate your referral sources. However, I'm packaging them together almost as two sides of the coin for you because they have to go together. Because if you have referral sources that are educated in your business, they know about what you do, but they're not motivated, they ain't going to do anything for you. Conversely, if you have really motivated referral sources, however, they don't know anything about you and your business, we like to call that ignorance on fire. It's like, hey, tell me about Stephanie. She's great. What does she do? A wonderful job. How does she do it? Well, and so they're really excited about you. However, they don't necessarily know much about you. So they have to go together. So step three, educate. We want to share with our referral sources. And oftentimes I'll do this in a coffee, whether that's in person or mainly in virtual for me. And we just learn about each other's business. And I've got a whole list of tons of different things that we can teach our referral sources. But some of the basics that I think are important in the conversation first is your story or your why. Why you do what you do. Mm -hmm. I think that when we know what inspires you, what gets you up in the morning, you know, my goal and what I do is to help people be able to create the life they desire. We don't know what's going to happen to us. I mean, everybody's always like, I'll do that one day. I'll do that one day. I'll do that one day. Well, I wanted to do, there's a lot of stuff I wanted to do with my mom that I never got to do. And I wish that I hadn't had pushed it off. And I mean, some of it was just, I was a kid. I was only 24 um, when she passed away. So I was still young and dumb. Sometimes I still feel young and dumb. I'm not really, I'm 43 now, but you know, there's still lots of growing to be done. Um, But my goal is all my clients, I want them to be able to live the life they desire within reason. I mean, you can't run up a whole bunch of debt, but how do we create that harmony in our world of the amazing business we're looking for and the spectacular life we want outside of business? 
So that's one thing I love to educate people on. The second thing I think that is important is your business. So the products and services that you offer, however, not as much so from the perspective of let me tell you all the features of my business, more so let me tell you about the benefits that you get when you work with me. When we have the opportunity to share the benefits, this is a really great thing for our referral sources to use. Mm -hmm. So uh, for those of you that are watching this video, you can see behind me. For those of you that are listening, you can't. But I have a big thing on my wall right behind me that says money, time, and fun. Because my benefit when I work with people is I help them have more money, more time, and more fun. So it's all about the more with me. And so I don't necessarily want people saying, oh, let me tell you about Tiffany. She teaches this 10 module program. Oh, let me tell you about Tiffany. She has this book. I mean, y'all can say all that, but I want you to lead with, let me tell you first about Tiffany. She's going to help you have more money, more time, and more fun. And really having that concise messaging helps with your branding, helps with SEO, helps with people searching you, and helps with your referral sources having that consistent message to share on your behalf. Excellent. So do you have any tips, Tiffany, for us to perhaps pick the right messaging? Because, you know, usually there are so many things we can do. It's like I'm thinking of, you know, most of my clients, actually a good percentage of my clients are career coaches, business coaches, life coaches. And it can be very hard for them to describe everything that they can do for someone. So, yes. And I try, like for me, I'm trying like, here's, here's my six words, more money, more time, more fun. Um, so yeah, we want it to be condensed and we want it to be simple. I, I like to use the acronym KISS, keep it short and simple. And so if you're struggling with what is it that I really create, I encourage you to pick up the phone, actually call your top five, your top 10 clients and have the conversation with them around what you were able to create on their behalf. Now, you're probably gonna get very surface level answers, the, the very first question or two, you know, hey, what did I do for you? You mentioned a career coach. Well, you helped me get a job. Well, can you tell me a little bit more? What did that job mean? Oh, I was able to get better hours. And what does that result for you? Oh, I'm able to spend more time with my kids. And, you know, actually now my son's GPA has gone from a two to a four. Uh, that's probably American. So let's say you've gone from mid-level grades to higher grades. And, you know, it's one of those things we don't always know. And so sometimes when we call our clients, we may have to dig several layers out to learn more about what you actually created. Because oftentimes they'll give us the surface, but we want to dig deeper. And I'm a big fan of a big whiteboard. Uh, you could use just big pieces of paper and just writing them out and then kind of examining, okay, what is the overarching theme? What is what this all has in common? And how do I boil it down to something super simple? That's right. Yeah. And that's usually the difficulty, you know, even when you go to in-person networking events, you know, it's like everybody knows they're going to be asked the question, what do you do? Yes. And yet you get either the longest or the, the strangest answers when you ask that. And you're like, oh, my goodness, you've come here and you're not prepared. <laughs> I, it, does, it does amaze me when it's like, don't you know you're going to have to talk about this stuff? That's right. It's like people are going to ask you, are you there? You can't yes. hide. <laughs> I mean, you no, can't. you can't. It doesn't work for very long. 
<laughs> and this is, I actually wrote, so my first book is four and a half networking mistakes. Like here's all the things the experts tell you to do that you shouldn't do that way. Um, and so many people, it's all about the elevator pitch and all about selling. To me, when people ask me, what do I do at a networking event? I say, I help entrepreneurs have more money, more time, more fun with the hope that they will follow up and ask me, how do I do that? And then they're giving me permission to have a, a more in-depth conversation because I don't want to lead with, I'm a coach or I'm a speaker, I'm a trainer, because what happens is when you lead in your profession with networking, people will assign in their head, they'll think about all the people they know in your industry, all the stereotypes they know about your industry, and they're going to decide based on what they already know. That's right. Who and what you do versus when you lead with this, I like to call it my I help statement. When you lead with your I help statement, it gives you the opportunity to say, here's the benefits first. And if they're interested, they will ask more. Excellent. Very good. Yes, that's something I, I always work with my clients on as well. Um, <laughs> mostly so that they are clear about it. You know, it's something you have to do everywhere, really. You know, when you're on social media, on your website, it's like you've got to be clear about what yeah. you do and how you want people to actually talk about what you do. So that's yeah. amazing. So what's the next step? <laughs> okay, so we talked, educate. So on the flip side, we would need to motivate our referral sources. Mm -hmm. And so it's going to vary depending on your referral source, what motivates them. And I have a list of 16 relationship builders to help build the relationship. But at the top, a couple of them, number one could be pass me a referral. That is definitely a, an amazing way to motivate your network. The second could be introduce me to those best referral sources. So back in step two, we identified who our best referral sources are. And so here, perhaps we could create that introduction that would be motivating. Depending on the person, it could be motivating if you could help book them a speaking engagement or be on their podcast or do a live. That can be motivating, assuming the people like to talk. There are still people that are like, I don't want to be on camera. I'm like, we're on camera all the time now with Zoom. You would have thought after two years, we would be desensitized to this. That's right. Apparently not. <laughs> no, not everybody. Some people are very happy to go back to non-Zoom. Um, right, right. I've been working online since 2014, so it was like... <laughs> it's, it's the rest it, of the world, for you and I, early adopters of this, yeah. the rest of the world finally caught up to us and was forced to do Zoom. Yeah, it was, it was quite a, a strange time, but actually when that happened, my first thought was, oh my goodness, there are so many people struggling with this. I got to do something to help them. So, yeah, I, I had created a quick boot camp to help coaches just suddenly go digital, you know, and I think I sold, I, I, I filled it with like four social media posts because everybody was looking for it, you know, um, that was a lot of fun actually, but it was, you know, not something you can repeat. It was very, right. moment. so coming back to your five steps. Yes. So last step. Number five is you want to ask for referrals. You want to ask for the referrals. Now, most people don't like to ask for referrals because they're uncomfortable with it and they don't want to get the no. Here's the thing though. If you ask for a referral and you get a no, you're doing it wrong. So most people say, do you know anybody that needs my product or service? 
the human mind is inundated with between 65 and 75,000 pieces of stimuli on a daily basis. We can process 1,500 to 2,500 perhaps. So there's a lot that goes on in our world that doesn't come into our brain. And so uh -huh. our brain, when it says, do you know, is really easy to say, no, I'm too tired, leave me alone. And so the phrasing you want to use instead is, who do you know who? And then insert a specific referral request. Because if you say, who do you know who needs my product or service? What you're essentially saying to the person in front of me is, I don't even know who needs my product or service. I hope you can figure it out and help me out. So you want to say, who do you know who is the president of the local chamber of commerce? Who do you know who is a general contractor that wants to play more golf? Who do you know who? And you insert your specific referral request here. And if I'm at a networking event, one-on-one -on -one or in person, uh, or you know, in a big group or online, I can always say, hey, I'm expanding my business and I need your help. Who do you know who? And ask the person in a one-on-one -on -one conversation who they know who might be able to help me. And then you can also do this on social media. This is a really amazing way uh, to get referrals from people on social media without being salesy. I'm expanding my business and I need your help. Who do you know who? Give us the specific referral request. And that's it. You don't want to post why you want them or any of the other stuff. Just I'm expanding my business and I need your help. Who do you know who? Excellent. And then what you do is in the comments, when people say, oh, I know Susie, Mary, Johnny, then I send a direct message or a text message to the person that says, I know this person and say, hey, how do you know them? Would you be willing to create an introduction? Here's how this would be best for me. So I'm not cold calling them. I'm not even saying, hey, they said. I'm reaching out to that person and asking them to help me generate that referral. Oh, that's excellent. So that's how you've been using it on social media. I love mm -hmm. the idea of who do you know who, because it can, that can end in so many different ways. And I'm, I'm interested in sort of understanding what would be the wrong way of using that. Well, I think that if you're not specific enough, if you just say, who do you know who, you know, is in business, it's too big, it's too vague. Mm -hmm. Even if you said, who do you know who's a coach, that might be a little bit open. So what I love about doing it, whether we're in person or on social media, is it's a one-time ask. I can do it again. Next time I see the person, I can do it again in a couple of days on social media. So I might say, you know, who do you know who is a business coach? Who do you know who is a life coach? Who do you know who is? And give us the different ones. I find the more specific we are, the better the results that we're going to get. Excellent, because it becomes difficult to imagine someone, I suppose, if, if you're not specific enough. Right, because if I said, hey, refer me to somebody, it, it's just too much. But if I said, you know, I'm looking for the red hair gal, pigtail braids, freckles, polka dotted dress, you know, patent leather yeah. high heel shoes, here's this crazy picture in our mind, but we have a picture in our mind. The human mind's amazing. We can work really specific and work our way out, but we can't go from generic and work our way in. Just like your example of the coach one to three years, does six months work? Does four years work? Yes, but we were specific and worked our way out. That's right. It's, it's a very counterintuitive conversation. I was talking to a gentleman that did insurance for cars 
many years ago and he was very frustrated because he wasn't getting referrals and he's asking for cars. He's like, everybody, at least where I live, everybody drives. We're not a public transportation area. Everybody drives. I'm like, what's your favorite car, that dream car? He's like a classic Corvette. I'm like, that's your ask. That's what you need to start asking for. He was doing a networking event. He's like, but Tiffany, nobody's going to have that. I'm like, look, I'll bet you a beer <laughs> that you'll get at least one referral that you haven't gotten if you ask for the classic car. He's like, all right, fine. Uh, that week he got six referrals, no classic Corvettes, but he got two Corvettes, three classic cars and some other car. I am not a car person. He got six <laughs> referrals where he had gotten none the month before being generic. So be specific when it comes to your referral request. Excellent. Excellent. And then at least people are going to find you something close, if not yes. the right thing. And, okay. and not everybody will always find you something, but if we're asking constantly, they're seeing it and eventually they'll, they'll have the person they can refer to you. Oh, excellent. And so since we're working online, you mentioned asking on social media, what other ways can you ask and, and how often can you ask? Because it's, is this kind of, am I going to be seen to be asking a lot? So I think, you know, it's one of those hard things to so sometimes people say, how often can I post this on social media for somebody like me that's posting two, three times a day easily, then I think I can get away with, you know, two times a week I could post this. If I'm one that posts two or three times a week on social media, then once <laughs> if I'm at a networking event, I'm probably not going to ask you every single week if we're talking one on one, whether that's face to face or on Zoom, but maybe every two to three times. And I change it up. Let me ask for something a little different. And in addition to saying, who do you know who that could be a referral? You could ask for the referral source. You could ask for the speaking engagement or, you know, where do you know is hosting an event soon that you might want to go to? And so you could ask for things in addition to just the referral. Ask for help. Here's the thing. Most people are so, so happy to help though a lot of people don't want to ask for help because they don't want to impose. And so for those of you that are like, oh my gosh, Tiffany, that's so me. I love helping others, but I don't like to ask for help. Here's the mindset shift I want you to make. You love helping others, but if you don't ask others for help, if you don't let others help you, you are impeding that good feeling inside that they would get to create. So be open for help. People want to help you out. I mean, you just met the person for the first time, maybe not, but if this is somebody that you've got a gone going relationship with, yeah, let them, let them help you out. Let them make the introduction. Indeed. That, that sounds so good because, you know, there, there are certain things like that people associate with online networking and I think a lot of it sort of verges on the on the cold calling, you know, when you're messaging people online, maybe you don't know them so well. So there is this discomfort, this feeling yeah. of, oh, I'm pushy because because you are really because you don't know these people. <laughs> but it's it's so different, I feel, when when you know someone. So do you feel that to ask for a referral, sort of what would you consider the cutoff point? Because sometimes, you know, networking online. Maybe you meet people in a training program you've been in. Maybe they've been your clients. Maybe they've been your mentor. Yeah. Um, you know, sort of you meet different people in different situations. What do you consider a, a relationship that is sort of mature enough to, to ask for a referral? 
So I like to start with this idea of know, like, and trust. And if I've met you the very first time, or I've seen you a couple times in a networking event, then we're definitely at the no point in our relationship. We're just beginning. I often time things, whether we're in things, <laughs> think, whether we're in person or we're online, just seeing each other at the meetings is not enough. We need to take it outside the meeting, whether it's a 15 or 30 minute chat to start with, whether it's in person or on Zoom, that's not the important part. It's let's have a one-on-one -on -one conversation. Um, I think it's kind of like dating sometimes. You know, let's start off with the coffee date, get to know each other a little bit, see if we want to have that next meeting, see if we want to have that next meeting. And there's no, unfortunately, I wish there was exactly, hey, here's a, after two meetings, you're appropriate here, three minutes meetings, it's appropriate there. I think sometimes it depends on the other people that we know that are saying, oh my gosh, how wonderful Stephanie is, you know, because if I've got five or six people talking about how wonderful Stephanie is, then it helps move to that know, like, and trust quicker. So I'm going to feel more comfortable referring. That's and right. I think that sometimes we have to read the room, which I know is an acquired skill. Because sometimes after that first meeting, you feel comfortable enough for a little baby referral. Sometimes it might take two or three. And it depends on your profession. <laughs> it's much easier to refer somebody to a free workshop or a free download than it is, hey, let's buy a half a million house. Yeah. And so the, the profession does make a difference. The involvement and risk in your business does make a difference. The more money involved, the more risk involved, the more intangible your product or service, it is going to take longer for you to get to the point where people are willing to refer you, though you're probably making more per transaction by quite a bit than the people that can get the referrals after the first few minutes. That's right, that's right. That's so interesting. That's, that was, that was really interesting. <laughs> I, I love the, the fact that you said, you know, you have to learn to read the room because yes, you know, very, most of the time I feel that it's almost, uh, not even an intuition as a matter of chemistry you know sometimes you jump on a call with someone and it's like you've known them for 10 years and then you know you jump on a call and then you have a second call and a third call with someone and it's still kind of just starting to warm mm -hmm. up yeah <laughs> so yeah one, one of the one of the things we like to talk about is the platinum rule and the platinum mm -hmm. rule says treat other people the way that they want to be treated whereas most people are familiar with the golden rule which is treat people the way that you want to be treated what I find is most often, if people are really good at adapting to others, then they're gonna move through this process quicker. And so sometimes I'll look at, okay, is the person I'm meeting with more task-oriented or, or people-oriented? Because if they're seem more people-oriented, and there's all kinds of clues, that's a whole different conversation. Mm -hmm. um, but if they seem more people-oriented, I'm gonna ask more, tell me about your family, about your vacations, about you know, all of your interests. If they're more task oriented, then I'm much more likely to jump into the business side of it. I also have to pay attention to what is their pace. I am a very fast paced person. And for those of you listening or watching, you might think, yeah, you are really fast. Uh, I am slowing it down. <laughs> I am, I am uh, energizer bunny all over the place, fast, super energy. However, that's not what everybody likes. So I try and slow it down. I'm still fast paced for most people, but I try to slow it down a little bit because if I got super going, it might turn off somebody that was a little bit slower paced. So I sometimes will try and adjust the pace. And so when we can treat people the way that they want to be treated, I think it helps shorten the number of conversations and one-to-ones or referral partner meetings that people need to have. 
absolutely. I, I love that. <laughs> I, I was never aware of the different pace. Um, that's, that's interesting. I'm quite a high energy person generally, but as a coach and a teacher, I am very sort of slow and I tend to go at other people's paces um, because obviously a- with technology, you have to move at, at the pace of yeah. the group or the person you're dealing with. So it's always one of those things. So you're uh, adapting without even knowing it. Yeah. So I was not aware of that. You've just put a little spotlight on that. <laughs> Excellent. So Tiffany, I'm curious, you mentioned your book before. I'd like to hear a little bit more about it and maybe we can also pop it into our show notes. So yes. what's, what's your book going to tell us? <laughs> okay. So my first book is Four and a Half Networking Mistakes. All of the things that the experts tell you to do that you shouldn't. And I always hate to say that they're mistakes because that means that they're wrong. Um, Though, I mean, the book is called Four and a Half Networking Mistakes, but it's things that the experts tell you to do that I feel like there's a better way to do it. And so we examine what are the mistakes. Um, we, We talk about also 19 networking nuggets, which is what to do before, during, and after the networking event plus three or four tips on how to deal with networking nervousness. Because I know a lot of people out there when they're networking are introverts and I get you, I am a hardcore introvert. I have the test to prove it. Um, People don't believe it when they see me at a networking event or see me uh, on stage, I am bringing it. And then I have to go home and crash. (laughs) Networking (laughs) events are actually like, go open networking with 200 people for two hours I would rather run a marathon and I can't run a quarter mile. (laughs) Like it is not my thing. However, I know it works. So I I do it. So I get that for some of us, we have networking nervousness involved. So there's a little section in there too. Oh, excellent. That's great. So I know that a lot of people actually who do choose to work online tend to be introverts. So it's really good to hear though, because... (laughs) You know, sometimes, I mean, it, it's it's important to adapt what you do, I think, in marketing to, to your character and to who you are. But in business, you cannot run from everything. There are always going to be things that you just have to grow and do. Yes. So it's so interesting. As, as the world started opening up, everybody's like, I'm excited to go back networking. I'm excited to go back networking. And I was talking to my husband. I'm like, honey, everybody else is excited to go back networking. And I'm just not. He's like, Tiffany, you didn't like to go to networking events before this. I was like, oh yeah, you're right. That totally makes sense why I'm fine staying behind the screen. Uh, though I do network all across the globe via Zoom. So we, it's not that I network, but I do prefer online versus in person, personally. Well, that's right. It's, it's, it's a different <laughs> energy exchange online. Yes. It's, as an introvert, it allows you a little bit more protection. But when there is that connection, it's there anyway. It's like, mm-hmm. so, which is which is lovely. Um, and, yeah. and you and I both do business with people all around the globe. And it's a very different conversation. I think if you're the, the local realtor, the local plumber, heating and air conditioning, all of the professions that are more locally based, it might be a different conversation. But when you're dealing with the global clients or even people all across the state or the country or the territory, then it's a, it's a very different conversation. And you almost need to be amazing on Zoom because that's how you're doing your business. That's right. That's right. Excellent. 
Tiffany, thank you so much for your amazing input. There is one question that I ask every single guest that comes onto my podcast. So I'm very uh -oh. curious to, to hear your answer. I know that you have an online business. So of course you get a lot of clients from referrals, but I imagine you also do other forms of marketing as well. So the question is, is there a piece of content you have created? You know, a blog post, a book, a social media post, um, a freebie perhaps, um, anything that is of value to your audience that you have created that has really made a difference in your business, something that's, you know, that's moved the needle. So I think the first book that I wrote, The Four and a Half Networking Mistakes, was a massive change for me because it's like I finally have that book that was on the to-do list for, for four years that really set me into like, here's this new opportunity as the expert, as the author. Um, though recently I've fallen in love with flipbooks on LinkedIn, which has really helped me get to new audiences with like little short blurbs that are a thousand words or so maybe in format that's fun to look through. And so that's been my, my new fun thing that I'm having a blast with. But I like if it's marketing, yes, please. I'm like, I love videos. I love ebooks and flip books and written books and videos. You know, it's interesting. Sometimes I talk to coaches. I was actually speaking to a speaker's academy and everybody says write a book and I've got three and a half. So I, I get you there. <laughs> um, <laughs> however, one of the ways I've made money is I did a program and turned on Zoom. It was a two hour program. I condensed it down to like the, the 40 minutes of the essence of the program. And I stuck a $20 price tag on it. And I made more, I didn't make more, but I, the, the, the profit margin on an inexpensive video to create and sell is more on books to me are like this massive amount of work. One of the reasons I like the flip books because it's like a thousand words and then you can just cut and paste and that turns into an easy blog post that turns into an easy video. That's I'm right. very big about that um, repurposing of your mm -hmm. content for sure. Excellent, excellent. Tiffany, thank you so much. We're going to add all your links so that our listeners can find you. And thank you so much for your tips. And we're all going to go out and network. <laughs> Happy networking, y'all. <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much. Did you enjoy this episode? If you did, please share it with friends and colleagues and anyone you think is going to find this useful. If you'd like to give me some feedback, leave a review on iTunes or a comment on the YouTube channel. Don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast app or YouTube. Whatever you do, make sure you don't miss the next episode because we have more juicy content coming your way. See you in the next episode.